Welcome to the Springs Church Podcast, where we explore the teachings of Jesus Christ and how they can be applied to our daily lives. Join us as we delve into the Bible and discuss topics such as faith, hope, love, and forgiveness. Our mission is to inspire and empower our listeners to live a life of purpose and meaning and to deepen their relationship with God. Tune in every week for a new episode as we learn how the Bible, Holy Spirit, and a relationship with Jesus will impact every area of your life. I'm excited to be in the house today, and it's, uh, it's always a good day to, to study God's Word and just learn more about Him. Why don't you bow your heads and close your eyes, we're just going to pray. In Jesus' name, God, we thank you uh, for this amazing opportunity that we have to be in church. We thank you that we never take it for granted, but we continue to just push forward, not only to get to know you better, but to just learn more about why you created us, why we have purpose on this planet, God. We thank you that you reignite that inside every single believer here today, that we know why we're here. We know you have a calling and a purpose for each and every one of us, and we thank you that we're going to step into that, and we're going to run forward like we never have before, God. We thank you for this country. We thank you for this city. We thank you for every single leader, God. We thank you for joy and strength and courage upon the leaders of this nation and the city, God. We thank you that they continue to just run the race and continue to lead this place, God, into your perfect will. And for those that aren't at whatever level of government or leadership anywhere in the world, God, we thank you that you you either ignite the will within them, God, or we can remove them and we can continue to elect someone even better that will lead us into your perfect will in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. You know, Christmas time, there's, my wife is a, is, a, is a teacher, and so when we have, she gets her two weeks off right at Christmas time, and so it's always the time that we seem to bring out these jigsaw puzzles. I don't know if you're like us, but we seem to have just these, I don't know, we just think we're going to get this done this Christmas, and we never do. You, you put your, your jigsaw puzzle on the table, sits on our dining room table, and it sits there all Christmas break, until finally, I think we just roll the puzzle up because we bought a puzzle mat that rolls up because we're like, we're not getting this done ever, it seems like. But Jigsaw Puzzle, we actually almost finally got to do, finished one a couple of years ago. And uh, we get to like the last like five pieces and we're like, we only have four left. So there's one piece of the puzzle missing after all of that work. I don't know if any of you guys are avid puzzle puzzlers, but when you do a, that much work into putting a puzzle together and you get to the end and you're missing one piece, it's like you shouldn't have even started. Yeah. That's just how it feels. It doesn't matter how far you come. It doesn't matter how many, if you put 30 hours into that thing, you're instantly like, I'm done. I don't even want to do this anymore. And of course, we got, I think we threw that puzzle out, but it was, it was very interesting. And, and, and yeah, well, what else do you do with it, right? Like, oh, that's just, maybe you could use it for your kids and just not tell them that there's one missing because I'm hoping they'll just never get it done, <laughs> you know? But it's just kind of funny, and this jigsaw puzzle has kind of made me realize that the first thing you do when you grab a puzzle is you, is you dump all the pieces, okay? And if you're an avid puzzle, you start to organize all the edge pieces from the middle pieces, and you try to uh, organize all the colored pieces into, into from the white pieces to the blue pieces to the black pieces, and you try to get everything in the same, the same container so you know exactly what's organized and what's not. And then you look to one thing that gives you guidance for the rest of your time doing the puzzle. And what's that? That's the picture, the box something to look at so you can see what the picture is. Now, I want you to imagine something right now. Imagine pouring all the jigsaw pieces onto your table and not having a picture to go off of. So you see a bunch of colored pieces everywhere. You know they make a picture, but you don't know what picture it 
is. So you're here, you are, you're taking your preconceived notions, you're taking your kind of assumptions, you're kind of seeing what fits together or what looks like it fits together, and you're kind of just jamming pieces together, hoping that it creates some kind of picture, but you don't know what picture it creates. So you start off in a, in a portion where you're like, I don't even know what this creates, and so you already are off on the wrong foot. You're already trying to figure out what to do, where to go. You think as you get maybe a couple pieces that you think might be together, you're starting to see this cityscape, this hectic, this hectic, busy cityscape of New York or something like that. And you're like, I think it's a cityscape. I think, I think I know what it is. And as you go further, you realize that pieces aren't fitting together and it's just not going the route that you want to until finally you go, okay, I'm going to take some time and I'm going to study these pieces. I'm going to figure out how they fit together. So you go from frustrated with what this could be to all of a sudden stepping into this portion of, okay, how do these pieces fit together? As you start to, to make this jigsaw puzzle and it starts to complete, you start to see that in fact it wasn't a cityscape. It wasn't a busy, hectic cityscape. It was actually a mountain landscape with a sunrise, very peace-giving. You know, we step into this time where Sometimes we come into church, many people come into church, and we get, this, we get this, if we don't know fully know God, we start to assume things about him by, I don't know, misinterpreted scriptures or things that we've heard online or things that we see scrolling through social media. And we start to get these preconceived ideas, these assumptions, these notions of who God is. And when it's based on religion, it's not the clear picture. It's actually a very distorted picture. It's like doing a puzzle, not having the whole picture. So if that puzzle is your relationship with God, you start to realize that, no, 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 if I really want to get to know God fully and step into the abundant life that he's created for each and every one of us, a, a blessing, right? Blessings is what God wants to pour over our lives. If we don't view God right, then we most likely will never experience the benefits of the relationship with him. And that's the problem with this, is when we go through this jigsaw puzzle, you'll get to a portion where you're like, you're frustrated. You're like, I don't know what this is. I don't know what we're making. I don't know why these puzzle pieces aren't fitting together. I have so many questions of what, where this goes and how this works and where this goes. This is the same thing with our Christianity when we allow religion to seep in, when we allow pre-assumptions and hurt, maybe from churches in the past, maybe from other Christians that say they're Christians but don't treat you very well. We start to get this distorted look of God. And the moment that we have a distorted look of God, we no longer can believe firmly on what he's provided for us and what he will continue to provide for us and who you truly are in him. See, when we set aside our assumptions and seek to know God for who he truly is, and I mean like, like, like carefully examining the puzzle pieces, trying to figure out how they fit together, we actually start to realize that the picture of God is much more like the sunrise, this breathtaking, peace-giving mountain landscape of sunrise of going, oh my goodness, this is so phenomenal, rather than this evil and trying to, trying to teach you things and send pain your way so that you can finally learn something. I, I, I do not like the doctrine that's taught out there where, where God is this, this, this demanding God that can only teach you something by sending something evil or painful or, or something to teach you in a way that doesn't bring peace, it doesn't bring strength, it doesn't bring grace, it doesn't bring healing, it doesn't bring any of that. And as Christians, we need to make sure that that just like when we're trying to do a puzzle and we don't know what the picture is like, it's time to get into God's word. See, when you, when you open that, that, that box and you have the, the, the front cover and you can look at that, it's, that's when you finally see the actual picture of what this puzzle makes. 
And just like the word of God, it's so important for us to get into God's word to know God for ourselves. Because then you start to realize he is someone completely different than maybe the assumptions that you've had before church as an as a atheist one day, whatever you were in the past, whatever you came from. We really need to make sure that we focus on the true God not this distorted image, because you'll never enjoy a relationship with a God that you feel like is always out to get you or always to teach you something or always to send sickness your way because you haven't been acting in the way that you wanted to. So my goal today is to, th- is, is to change the way that we think and, and align it in a way that is with God's, de- like to, to understand God's desire, that his, his desire is to actually bless you. His desire is to be there for you. His desire is to be that father maybe that you've never had. Maybe that father that, maybe you had a father, but he wasn't fully your father in so many different areas. God can fill every gap of hurt, every gap of pain, every gap of whatever it is that you feel, but we have to align our thinking on the true God, not the one that that's a distorted image because we just don't really know what it is. So I hope today that I can change your thinking to view God for who he is, a father that wants to bless you. In Psalms 84, 11, it says, for the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk, whose walk is blameless. See, in essence, in, in Psalms 84, 11, it emphasizes God's role as both a source of light So comfort, warmth, guidance, and protection, just like the sun and a shield that it says in here. And as well, it goes further into a generous giver of favor and honor and blessings. It assures us that God delights in bestowing his goodness for those whose walk. Blameless is a very, very uh, intricate word because it makes you feel like you need to be perfect. That's not what this, this verse is saying. This verse is saying in, in, in continuing to walk in a way that allows you to go, I love God and I want to get to know him and I want to continue to walk my life out in the way that he's created for me. Will you screw up? Yes, all the time. Okay, I was telling the guys yesterday, the, the, men, the men's breakfast, I said, Jesus went and prayed for his disciples, which ones to, 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 to choose. He was disciplined in choosing the right disciples. And after he prayed about who he would pick, he went and picked a big bunch of screwed up guys. Okay, and he prayed diligently for that. And it wasn't because he screwed up in picking, his, in picking his disciples. No, he actually picked that accordingly, knowing that those men in that time, his disciples, would help him bring forth the calling, his ministry, push it further. There's something so beautiful about the fact of knowing that, yes, our goal is to walk and live life the way God's created it to, trying not to sin, trying not to do things, but we will always stumble. There's times that we stumble, there's times that we make mistakes, and if we don't have a clear picture of who God is, the moment that we stumble, we'll either make or break your relationship with him. It's like that, that you, f- you have that fearful side to maybe a, your dad or your father figure growing up, and you knew that if you screwed up, it was not going to be good. It wasn't the the loving side of what a father should be. Many people have, have, have grown up in different ways, but when you start to realize that no matter how you grew up, we need to change our thinking to view God the way that he is. Not the way that people explain him when they misinterpret scripture, but the way the Bible interprets him. He does not want to withhold any blessing from you. Do you believe that? 
Because if we don't believe that, we'll never, we'll never actually see it in our life. We'll never actually experience it. And so I want to talk about blessing in a different way today. We know that Christmas season, Jesus was the ultimate blessing in the world that we live in, the ultimate gift, the ultimate sacrifice for us so that we could live a life knowing that we might screw up, but we can still move forward and still move into what God has for each and every one of us. And so this is Jesus speaking to his disciples before his crucifixion. I don't know how long, a few days, could be a few weeks, um, but we find it in the, he t- tells the parable of, parable of the talents. And many of you have heard this, but I'm going to read it for you again. In Matthew 25, 14 to 30, it says, for the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country who called his own servants and delivered his goods to them. And to one, he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, to each according to his own ability. I want you to focus, if, if you write that verse down and you, and you study this in your own time when you go home today or in your devotions this week, I really want you to focus on just those two verses for a little bit and really understand that he gave talents according to the people's ability, okay? It's a very, very good thing to understand. I, I liken this to if you have kids, okay? You know what's good for them. You know what's best for them. If you have a kid and, and, and you know that typically he's the kind of boy that's, just a ruckus. And he's like, he'll go, he'll bang his head on everything. He somehow falls and trips and scrapes his knees. He's the typical guy. You get him a bike and a little bicycle and he's ripping around. He's coming back every day to your house with that bicycle and the chain's ripped off and the pedal's broken and the handlebars are skewed and the brakes don't work. And he's not being a good steward of what that bike is. And you might be having a good time, but every time he gets on that bike as a parent, you're like, oh my gosh, I hope this kid comes back. Like, I don't know what's going on. Right? So this, the same thing is, is okay. So now, and this, let's say, this boy is 16 years old. So now he just got his driver's license. Okay. As a parent, there's no way in hell that he's getting your car. And you know that because you saw how he treated his bicycle. You're like, there's no chance. He's going he's gonna to drive my car back and the, the side mirrors are going to be hanging off. The tires are going to be flat. He's going to be r- rolling on rims and having a good time. No, you don't want to do that. Why? Because as a parent and as a deep love that you have for your kids, you give to them to the ability in which they can steward it. Does that make sense? So you give them the ability, because why? Not because you don't want to bless them, because you know that if you give them your car, that's not a blessing. That's actually more of a hurt. That could be a pain. That could be a curse for that, for that, that kid because he's gonna, he might kill himself. He might pull off the highway in a wrong time. He might not really think through what he's doing. And so you as a parent know what you should give and what you shouldn't in that moment until he starts to grow in his ability of what he already has, Right? That, that's mo- that, and to me, that's a, a massive thing. You, you have this, this side. So in, in this verse of the talents, you have, you have uh, uh, Jesus is, is telling, and the parables are great because they, it's Jesus telling a story, a, a made-up story and saying, I just want to teach you out of this analogy. And so the talents, I really enjoy it because most people view the talents as money all the time. It's how to be a good steward with money. I'm not attacking that subject today. We'll go into the financial side to what this verse says, but that's not what it's about. It's much deeper than just one line of financial stewardship. It actually goes way further and way deeper to really understand God's wanting to bless you. They say that 70% of lottery winners, and I'm sure many of you believe this, within a few years are bankrupt. Within a few years. Why? Because they got something that they didn't have the ability to handle. Does that make sense? So obtaining more money in this sense leads to a careless spending and this desire to get more. And that greed becomes instantly destructive. 
Just like you give, you, you don't want to give your car keys to your son that has never proven to be good with just the bike that he has or the quad that you bought him. You wouldn't want to give him the keys to your car because you know that this will lead more to destruction than it will to life. And that's where we get down this, this really, really tough area with God wanting to bless us, but he's never going to withhold. And so when I read this verse, I always make sure that I want to make sure that I continue to grow my ability. I want to grow my ability. I'm not saying arrogantly. I'm not saying because I'm better than anyone. I'm saying I know that if I am trusted with little, God can trust me with more in every area of my life. And so as we continue to go through this, we, we, um, we, we go through, we, we ended off on verse 15 and, and it, it goes, the last thing we read, to each according to his own ability. And immediately he went on a journey, the master. Then he who had received the five talents went and traded with them he, and made another five talents. And likewise, who had, he who had received two gained two more also. But he who had received one went and dug in the ground and hid his Lord's money. After a long time, the Lord of those servants came and settled accounts with them. So he who had received five talents came and brought five other talents, saying this, Lord, you delivered to me five talents. Look, I have gained five more talents beside them. His Lord said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things and I will make you a ruler over many things. Enter, enter into the joy of your Lord. He also who had received two talents came and said, Lord, you delivered me two talents. Look, I have gained two more talents besides them. And his Lord said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. Pause. Do you notice how the, the guy with the five talents and the two talents responded to their master? In this, in this sense, Jesus is saying, Jesus is showing this is Jesus. This, we, when, we, when we look at this parable, he, J, Jesus is likening it to himself and saying he is the master that entrusts us with blessings, entrusts us with things for us to live an amazing life, but only to our ability to actually steward them. Now, the beautiful, the beautiful thing within this is that the, the first guy and the second guy said, Lord, you delivered to me five talents. And look, I've gained five more. Do you notice that the second that, let's say Jesus came back, this, this man looked at him and said, you delivered me this. You delivered me these five talents. It was an instant acknowledgement of the blessing of God on this guy's life to say, no, this is from you. It's unbelievable. It was instantly a gratitude issue for this guy saying, no, no, you delivered me this. And because you did that, I, I'm bringing back double. That's a really, really strong thing we need to understand within this first. And then you finally have, unfortunately, the guy who had one talent. In verse 24, then he who had one talent, received one talent, came and said, Lord, I knew you to be a hard man. I already started off wrong. Reaping where you have not, sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. Stop right there again. This guy is missing everything towards what God does, missing everything to who God is, to what he does for people, to him creating everything, everyone, and blessing them with his creation. He's saying, look, you haven't, you haven't scattered seed here, so why are you, why are you harvesting? It's pretty much what this guy said back to his master. And he says, and I was afraid and went and hid your talent in the ground. He says, look, there you have what is yours. 
What do you see in that, in that response? A lack of complete gratitude for getting anything from God. He's saying, I don't care about this. It's, it's, it's yours, but you're kind of harvesting and, and you're, you're gathering where you haven't even spread seed. And, and this says, but this Lord answered and said to him, you wicked and lazy servant, you knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. So you ought to have deposited my money with the bankers and at my coming, I would have received back my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to him who has 10. This is where we start to see this difference in the way that God blesses every one of us. And every time I read the verse, it's these different verses in my own study time, it becomes convicting for me. It becomes like, I need to do something different. I need to be better. I need to change my own actions. I need to change what I'm doing. Everything that I've, I, I always read always comes back to how I can be better. Always. It's never like, oh God, he took this from me. No, no, no. It's like, what? God doesn't take. It says that in, in, in the Bible. He multiplies and he doesn't take away. It literally says he doesn't withhold one blessing from you. So what Bible are we reading? Are we just going through our own emotions every single day and going, well, this happened in my life, so God must be taking away what he blessed. No, stop that. We start to view God in a completely different light and we don't allow ourselves to get into a loving relationship with him because of our skewed views of him. And a lot of time that's from religion. We see Jesus coming to the world to end religion, to say, no, 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 I want you to know me for me. I don't want you to know me for what people say I am like. I want you to know me for me. And that's why Jesus came to the world and saying, look, I wanna walk among you. I wanna be there with you. See, religion has hindered so many of our beliefs in, in God's desire for you to live an abundant life. And if we don't believe that, we will never actually step into the abundant life. Not because God's not blessing you, just simply because you don't believe that that's a, he's a God of blessing. It's a pin drop in here, it's good. <laughs> See, and, and, and most people talk about the wealth side of this. See, and that kind of bothers me in a little bit of my pet peeve when, in being a pastor too, is, is people thinking that God doesn't want you to be wealthy, that God doesn't want you to have things, that God doesn't want you to step into the abundant life. I'm not saying the abundant life means you have a mansion on the hill. It's not what I'm saying, so please don't take my words wrong. I'm not saying the pursuit of wealth is a sin either. It's when that, that wealth becomes your God. It's when wealth takes the spot of God. Because everyone knows that if you can keep God number one in your life, there's nothing that you will view higher than him and you can continue forward knowing what you need to do, stepping into your calling and doing what God's called you to do. To be honest, the more, the more Christians and, and, and God-loving people that we have that are successful in their finances, it helps the church out so we can continue to push forward this call of God. You see it everywhere else in the world that we live in where it's always out of lack, out of lack, out of lack, out of lack. I don't know about you, but I don't want to live out of lack. And that doesn't mean finances. That means in everything. I'd rather live with peace and joy and strength over money any day. Any day. But we, live a, we, we serve a God of and. And he's giving towards those who have the ability to handle what he's giving. And that's the beautiful thing that we get into this. And so we get into this, this side of stewardship. And, and we, are all, we all need to be good stewards of what he has given us. See, the vehicle you drive. And maybe you're like, yeah, well, he hasn't blessed me with a vehicle. Well, he's blessed you with a transit system that gets you to and from wherever you need to go to. And probably a way cheaper ticket to get on that transit system than a car. There's blessings and there's cons. There's pros and cons to everything that you own, that you have, that you, that you have at your, your disposal. But everything that we have in our life that is good is from God. And if we don't align our thinking onto that, 
it completely changes the way that we can live in God's abundance in our life. A little while ago, I was, I was speaking on, on lack. And uh, in Winnipeg, a gentleman came up to me and, and, and just said, said, oh, it seems like you're always teaching about the benefits of your relationship with God. And I'm like, he's like, that's not the way that, that God works. I'm like, I know. I'm not saying that you, you should get into a relationship with God because it's benefiting. I'm saying, first and foremost, we should love God. And with that relationship will always come benefits. Whether you do it for the benefits, you slip into a transactional relationship. How many transactional relationships have worked out for you? <laughs> Zero. They don't work. They don't work out. They never work. Why? Because you're only in it to receive. But you need to understand that God is such a blessing father that when you were in the midst of this, he's looking to bless you. No matter what, all the time. He's looking to bless you. We get into this, 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 this pit sometimes where people say, oh, you're a pro prosperity speaking church and this and this. Look, I'm not saying God wants you to be wealthy. I'm saying God wants you to live an abundant life. That's full of peace, strength, joy, grace, and that's full of the abilities that he's given you. Look, God's put amazing giftings and talents within you. And if we've learned anything from Matthew about the talents, he's saying, go and make those gifts and abilities and continue to make them skyrocket because the higher you get your talents and giftings, the more you can use them for who? God. That's a beautiful thing. That's it. We got to get off of this side of always thinking <clears throat> that we're, all we're teaching is, is, is about wealth and this and that. No, no, no. Don't get me wrong. But man, the more money that you guys have, the more that you can impact this world, the more that you can impact people, the more that you can help the homeless, the more that you can fix the poverty in the, in the city of Calgary, the more you can actually be a light in what you do. Yes, if you don't have a lot of money, that's fine. Don't take me off onto the ditch right now, okay? My dad used to always say, for every mile of road, there's two miles of ditch. So let's stay on the road on this topic, okay? <laughs> Please. <laughs> so as we go through this, we start to realize that God wants to bless you, but God also wants to use you to bless others, okay? And that's a beautiful thing. We're gonna keep going. I'm, I'm running out of time already, geez. Okay, stewardship is a massive thing. So Genesis 12 verse two says this, I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and, name, and, and make your name great and you shall be a blessing. That's a, he's talking to Abraham in this moment saying, look, I will make you a great nation. It wasn't for Abraham's sake. He ended the verse by saying, and you shall be a blessing. I'm not giving this so that you can be all high and mighty within all your friends and you can have everything and everyone's jealous of what you have. No, no, no. I'm, I'm entrusting you with this because you have an ability to take this so much further to bless others. That's a really cool thing. This verse contains God's promise to Abraham, assuring him that he will be blessed and become a source of blessing to others. It underscores the concept of being blessed by God in order to be a blessing to those around us. If you ever look at our offering envelopes, that's pretty much the, ver the verse that we use in our offering envelopes. It says, blessed to be a blessing. That's how God is. He's blessing his, his, his kids, his children, so that we can continue to be a blessing to others. I want to close with just three quick truths that I remind myself of. The first one is God, and we need to believe this, and I'm, I, can't, I can't stress this enough, but it's, it's your believing of this that makes it a reality. That's it. It's your speaking of this that makes it a reality. The second you listen to someone that says, no, nah, no, nah, he's not looking for ways to bless you. Are you kidding me? That started all the way back in the Adam, with Adam and Eve in the garden. Where the, where the serpent said that. No, no, no. In a different way, he's like, he's not looking to bless you. He's looking to keep from you. You should eat from this tree. 
That's a deception, a deception tastic, tactic story from the devil from a long time ago. So don't let people try to convince you that God isn't a giving God, that God isn't a blessing God. That's all that he is. Never takes away, never withholds to those who walk in his ways. That's a beautiful thing. So God is always looking for ways to bless you. My job, this is what I remind myself of, is to identify how he blesses me and be a good steward of it. That's my job. Identify what is a blessing from God, which is every good thing in your life, and be a good steward of it. See, God, just like you're a parent that knows your kid and knows whether you should allow them to have the car keys or not, just as you know that, God knows you and he knows, he, he thinks on a different level than us. If we think God thinks in human, in human terms, give your head a shake. He's a God, okay? He is the God, the only God, the alpha, the omega, the beginning, the end. He thinks on a different level. So God knows what would bless you more than you know what would bless you. Cool, hey? We, we, we take this out of, out of, out of uh, context in the verse that says he will give you the desires of your heart. It's not even in my notes, but it just came to my head. We always think, oh yeah, sweet, I'm gonna get my mansion on the hill, I'm gonna get my Lamborghini, my, my McLaren, my Bugatti, that nine car garage, that's the desires of my heart. No, 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 I actually take that verse in a different way. He will instill the desires of your heart because those aren't desires that are gonna bring blessing to you. Well, driving fast down a race car, that sounds pretty sweet to me. Yeah, it'll bring you an adrenaline rush and maybe a dopamine rush to go, yes, I love this, but it ain't gonna bring lasting joy, peace, strength, or grace, or anything in your life. And so God's saying, I wanna bless you, but if you follow me, I will instill desires in you that you have never even thought of, and they will take you way higher than what you think your desires will. It's very cool. So Isaiah 55, verse eight to nine says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. We need to study that verse and remember that. Because sometimes we put limits on God to only work in a certain way. We're like, please, God, uh, I, need, I need money to help me right now. And it's like, what if God was thinking of different ways to help you that would have been far exceeding than what, what that little sum of money would have done for you? What if God was thinking of dropping a business in your lap that was already profitable and you, you have the capability and abilities to be a CEO of that business and, and, and just multiply it tenfold for his kingdom, but you were asking for just a measly little check from someone or, or some cash, whatever it might be. It doesn't matter. God views things differently. His thoughts are higher than your thoughts. You might be thinking of something so small and he's like, you're just solving the symptom. Let me solve the problem. That's a really cool thing. I feel like I've said that over and over and over again. That's a really beautiful thing. That's a really cool thing. But it is, it's crazy. I, it, it, again, I just love to share what I find in my own studying. And I always hope and pray that, that this family at church always can see the same thing. So God has divine wisdom and understanding indicating that his blessings may differ from your expectations. I'm gonna say that again. He has divine wisdom and understanding. And that indicates that his blessings may differ from what your human expectations are. In other words, he thinks on a different level. This is why we trust him. He knows to, to direct our path. He knows that this path is better, even if this looks more glamorous. It's very, very crucial for us as Christians to understand this. Number two truth that I remind myself of all of the time is growing in ability is up to me and it takes discipline, always takes discipline, no matter what. Stop waiting for motivation and just get disciplined. I mean that, 
I mean that. You know, I, I was <laughs> I was talking to some some guys yesterday even, and I said. I, uh, I, got a, I got a cold plunge. I, I got a cold plunge in my house. I see all these videos. Yes, it's trendy, okay? Judge me all you want. <laughs> Apparently some good health benefits. So I was like, hey, let's try it. Okay, I got it in my house for two days before I came to Calgary this weekend. And I only did it one of those days. <laughs> I'm trying to discipline myself to do that, but it takes discipline, right? It's like you step, I go to bed now thinking it's the countdown to the cold plunge. I can't even enjoy it. I'm like, I'm like, oh, it's 10.30. Oh, man, I, I want to go to bed. I'm so tired right now. But the faster I go to bed, the faster I have to wake up and jump in a cold plunge. I don't want to do that, right? It's discipline, right? Am I ever going to be motivated to do that? No, probably not. Every once in a while, I'll get home like, yeah, let's do this, right? I'm motivated. But that never stays long. You never actually live the life that God has for you or step into the steps that he has for you unless you can be disciplined. This is what we see. So many people in the Bible are chained in, in prisons, right? You have Paul that is chained in prison, writing letters, encouraging other churches. That's not motivation. That's discipline to be who God's called them to be. That's a completely different world that we live in when we get there. So growing in ability, that's my number two point, is up to me and it takes discipline. Proverbs 18:15 says, the heart of the discerning acquires knowledge for the ears of the wise seek it out. You know when the music comes on that I gotta end. See, this Proverbs 18.15 is emphasizing that the importance of seeking knowledge and wisdom, it suggests that those with discerning hearts actively acquire knowledge. Actively acquire knowledge. It's a health guy that I follow, and he says, aging is just the relentless pursuit of comfort. And I'm like, it's interesting. And I think that, honestly, living a lukewarm life in God's kingdom is also the relentless pursuit of comfort. What's good for me? How can I be comfy today? Oh, I, ah, how can I wake up and do what I want to do today? But no, no, no. Today's a gift for you. Today's the best day of your life. Amen. Yesterday, you can't change. 20 years ago, you can't change. It's time to give it up, let it go, accept the fact that you screwed up. We all do. <laughs> and realize that everything you choose today is going to make it better tomorrow. And if we don't do that, every day is going to be yesterday. I don't want to live in yesterday every day. Number three, most often my prayers are answered by ways that I can be better. It all comes back to stewardship. All comes back to stewardship for me. See, but consumerism is such a problem in the world that we live in. Everything, every company, every business is pursuing to make you comfortable to make it easier to get junk food, to make it easier to sit on the couch, to make it easier to binge watch on Netflix. Now, I'm not saying any of that is bad. We all know a good cheeseburger from McDonald's is a, is a good time sometimes, okay? <laughs> I'm not saying you can't have a cheeseburger. I'm just saying that when, when all we ever do is pursue comfort, we slip into consumerism. And when we slip in consumerism, we lose gratitude. And when we lose gratitude, we lose stewardship. Gratitude is the foundation of stewardship. If you're grateful for what God's given you, you will take care of it. If you're not grateful for what you've been given, you won't take care of it. We've all had this test when you buy your first car and you're done driving your parents' car. It's like, whoa, no, no, don't eat in there, don't eat in there. No, 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 we're not eating in here. No drive-throughs in my car. That's what you'll say to your parents, right? 
we always joke about it, my in-laws, where it's like we got a new house uh, when we first got married, and we had it. We were we were uh, we, we were renting an apartment when we first got married, and they came in and they left their shoes on. They walked through our house, <laughs> or our apartment, because they're like they're just laughing because they're like, oh, you got your own house now, and you're gonna want to take care of it. But now we can show you what you did to ours. You know what I mean? And they're walking with their shoes on. <laughs> when you're grateful for what you have, you take care of it. And when you view everything in your life as a gift from God, as a blessing from God, you take care of that. And the more you are a good steward of what you take care of, the more you grow in your ability for God to trust and bless you more. I'm not saying he's withholding blessing. This goes back to the same conversation I had before. His ways are higher than ours. His thoughts are higher than ours. What we think is a blessing, he knows would lead to destruction for us. That's a hard concept to jump around. It's the same thing, like I said, with that boy that doesn't take care of his bicycle and comes back with it broken and crashing into walls. You're not gonna give him your car. Not because you don't wanna bless him, just because you wanna continue to teach him what that looks like to just be healthy and be strong and, and go down that road. Most often my prayers are answered of what I can do better. When we start to realize that God is a giving God, a God of blessing and everything in our life, whether you take the bus right now, whether you get to walk to work, whether you get whatever it might be. I always ask my, I always tell myself, I get to do that. Because not everyone gets to walk to work. Not everyone gets to take the bus to work. Not everyone gets to drive to work. This is a, a key that we need to understand as Christians to be thankful and grateful for everything that we have. Because when we step into that, we are good stewards of everything that God has given us. I need to end. Let's, let's bow our heads and let's pray. In Jesus' name, God, we thank you for this amazing power and, and ability that you've put inside each and every one of us. The gifts, the giftings of everyone in this church right now sitting listening to my voice. God, we thank you for them. We thank you we never take them for granted, but we step into a new zone starting today knowing that we are to go and be good stewards of everything that we've been given, everything that we've been entrusted to. And we thank you that we continue to grow in our abilities and our giftings and talents that you've put inside each and every one of us so we can better be a blessing to others. God, we thank you for that in Jesus' name. With every head bowed and eye closed, I just wanna quickly lead you in, in, a, in a prayer that is the most powerful prayer you will ever be led in your life. It's the best decision you will ever make and it's something that we need to always remember. This is what we do as Christians is we wanna make sure that we can introduce people to God. So if you're sitting here going, I'm not even a Christian, I don't even believe in Jesus. This is my first time in church. I don't even know what to do. It all starts with a relationship with him. And it all starts with you believing that Jesus is real and that he came to the earth to die for our sins. Why? Because he wanted to bless us. He wanted to lead us into this righteous life, this right standing life with God and never judge it again. So if you're here going, I need to be a Christian. I, I, wanna, I wanna pray that prayer. I wanna step into this life that you've just been describing. I'm gonna look around right now real quick and, and every eye closed and head bowed except for those that wanna raise their hand during this time. And if that's you, you wanna give your life to God today, I want you to slip up your hand and give me a little wave. And I'm gonna include you in this prayer. Thank you. Awesome. So good. It's the best decision you will ever make. So good, awesome. Don't let the enemy rise up right now and say this is not your path, this is not what you do. Just push those fears aside and realize that God wants to bless you. And that blessing starts with believing in him. I'm gonna look around for one more second and then as a church we're gonna, we're gonna pray just for any other hands that wanna go up here today. Awesome, praise Jesus. I want everyone to repeat this prayer after me. The prayer goes like this, Father in Jesus' name, I believe in you. Thank you for changing my life and making me a good steward. 
I promise to serve you every day, every year for the rest of my life. Jesus, I'm following you in your name. Amen and amen. Awesome. Give him a round of applause.